0: This is Tim Bryan, pastor of Lifeway Apostolic Church, and this is our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. My prayer is that this message will inspire, build your faith, and draw you closer to Jesus Christ. Enjoy this message. Praise the Lord, everybody. Isn't God good? Look at your neighbor and tell him, the Lord is good. Amen. It is an honor for me to be here today, and I do want to. Uh, just say thank you uh, for the invitation to be here, Pastor Brian, him and his wife, uh, the ministry that they're doing. Don't you love your pastor and his wife and this family doing such a tremendous job? And uh, we were able to hang out a little bit last night. He got me a nice hotel room and taking very good care of me. And I've uh, just so enjoyed the presence of the Lord here this morning and believing God for uh, what he wants to do. Amen. Amen. Uh, my name is Jacob Tapia. I'm from Frankfort, Indiana. I've been married 12 years. I have three children, 10 good years. But no, I'm just kidding. That was, a, I'm, I'm teasing. But uh, I'm so glad to be here in the presence of the Lord. I'm sorry that my family couldn't be with me. Please say a prayer for my wife. She's been uh, dealing with pneumonia and the after effects of that. And I also have a four-month-old baby. So I am just kind of Sleeping through the night last night. Praise God, brother. Amen. Thank you for that. (laughs) My wife, (laughs) next time my wife has to come by herself, I guess. I don't get a break. Praise God. But it is an honor to be here. Do give honor to the ministry, all of those of you that are involved, our elders that are here tonight or today. Uh, Good to see my friend, brother Mike and his wife. Appreciate them uh, so much, their friendship. And uh, everybody that's here today, you got up. You uh, got ready to go to church, to worship the Lord, to praise Him. And I believe that God wants to speak to our hearts. Amen? Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me for a moment? And we're going to the book of Luke, chapter 11. Jesus is talking about prayer, and His disciples have asked Him, Lord, teach us to pray. And He's given them the Lord's Prayer, and most of us have heard that already, and we've heard it quoted but then he gives them the attitude of prayer. So you can say words, but never have a response or never receive from God. And so he's giving us now the way that we should come to God. He said, ask and you shall receive. You, you've heard that. How many of you parents, your kids come in, want something? Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Can't find your book bag? Seek and you shall find. Go look under your bed, right? He was giving them the attitude of prayer, that you should not give up, but that you should continue in prayer, continue to push forward, continue to seek God with faith and confidence in your heart. And then he gives us now a picture of God's response. Look at verse 11. He said, if a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he shall ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Amen. And I want to just preach to you for a little while from this subject, you must come hungry. You must come hungry. Amen. Lord Jesus, we love you today. Thank you for your presence Thank you for the singing and the worship, the music, everything that's going on here, the giving, praying. Lord, it's been anointed of you, and God, I thank you for it. And I ask you now to bless the remainder of our time together, bless the preaching of the word, bless the hearers. Help us to be doers of the word today, we pray. In the name of Jesus, everybody said amen. 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 Give your neighbor a sanctified, sanitized fist bump and tell him you must be hungry. Some of us may have heard of the group in 1846 in our world history class or United States American history. A group of people that went out to Oregon and they were on the Oregon Trail. And as they were on this particular passage, they got caught in the mountains. They got caught in a snowstorm. And as the storm continued on, they were uh, holed up in a barn, I think. And the cattle began to perish. And so, in their hunger, they ate the cattle, and then, as time went on, the cattle all died, and they ran out of food and they as the people in that uh, group began to pass away, they began to eat the flesh of those people and it was called we know them as the Donner Party. How many ever heard of the Donner party? because hunger will make you do. Strange things. Now, if those of you that are parents of teenagers and those of you that are teenagers, you'll understand this. When I was a teenager, I'd walk through the house and I'd go into the kitchen and I'd open up the refrigerator and I'd just stare into it for a while. And I'd just slam it shut, open up the freezer, slam it shut. And then I'd go over to the cabinets, I would open up the cabinets slammed the cabinet shut. And my mom about that time, she said, Jacob, what are you doing in there? Quit horsing around. What's going on? And I'd say these words, there's nothing to eat around here. How many's heard that before? Okay. Now what that usually meant is I was too lazy <clears throat> to make the food. Now I'm the second of nine kids, best looking one out of all of them, so I'm told. But as a second, as a second born, we always had these big pots of chili and and goulash. You might know what goulash is—basically, you know, very cheap food to make. Praise God! And and we always had Salisbury steak, the family pack. You know what I'm talking about? You know, 10% beef. You know what you know what I mean? <laughs> praise God! Come on now. Salisbury steak. My word. Get a big pot of rice. Pour that gravy over there. You got you a meal right there. Praise God. But you know what? Our bodies understand. We we understand if I don't eat, I'm not going to live. I'm going to die. Now Jesus in this particular passage is contrasting life and death. And he gives us illustrations that everybody can understand. Now We don't understand it as much as they did back then, but when Jesus said, if your son would ask you for bread, would you give him a stone? Now in that day, uh, they would have bread that was very nutritious, it whole grain, none of the preservatives and additives and none of this bleach-enriched flour and sugars and corn syrups and all this other extra stuff and eat enough of it, you have a third nostril by the time you're 50, but... I'm just That won't happen, just to let you know. But their bread was very healthy, and you could literally live on bread. If you didn't have a meal, you didn't have a meal without bread. It was the main part of their meal. In fact, Jesus told the people, he said, it's written, man shall not live by bread alone. In other words, you could live by bread alone. You could sustain yourself by that kind of food. But Jesus said you can't live spiritually without the word, every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So in that day, if, you were, if your son were to ask you for bread, it would give you life. Jesus said you wouldn't give him a stone. Here, son, go eat some rocks. No, really, take this rock and go on down. Why? Because if you eat rocks, you're going to die. Just let's be honest. What do we do? Kids goes outside, oh what's oh, oh. the first thing they do? They could play on the swing set, they could play on the jungle gym, they could play Oh, there's a huge playground. What do they do? The biggest pile of rocks they can get to, oh, oh, oh and what do we do? We slap it out of their hands. Don't eat that, kid. Why? Y'all just pretend. Just I'm, I'm being a little silly here today, being humorous, but I'm trying to illustrate something. That if your son would ask you for bread, you wouldn't give him a stone or something that could kill them. If they ask you for fish, now fish is a good source of nutrients, vitamins, and uh, good uh, the good fats, so to speak. Now, if you boil it and you know eat fried chicken, hallelujah don't want to eat all that fried foods. But fish is very good for you. He said, you wouldn't, if your son asked you for fish, you wouldn't give them a serpent, something that could could bite them. And, and what does that venom do? It goes straight to their heart, stops their heart. And if your son would ask you for an egg, something that could give you protein, and if you want to be muscular like me, you eat a lot of protein and things like that. That was a joke, folks, all right? That was a, that was a good one. All right, that was quick, I know. But if your son asks you for an egg, you wouldn't give him a scorpion, something that could sting them or inflict pain or death upon them, a small child. No, you wouldn't do that. Why? Because it's natural for us to want to give our children the best that we have. It's natural for a father that if a child comes up, Asking them, Dad, I need some food. That the father doesn't say, get out of here, you little rat. Get away from me. I don't don't want you around me. It's not natural. In fact, we understand in our culture that someone who neglects their children, someone who doesn't feed their children, someone who is angry at their children and sends them away, we send them off. We send those kind of people out. Why? Because it is unnatural to, for someone to not have a normal affection for their children. That if a child is hungry, a child is asking for food, seeking their parent for something that gives them life, it is only natural for a parent. And Jesus said, if you being evil, in other words, you that have made mistakes, you've, we've all made mistakes. Folks, if you think you're perfect, just ask your family. They'll remind you. Those of you that are married, you, th- you think you got it all together and all of a sudden your wife says, nah, you left some clothes on the floor. Mm, I feel like I'm ministering to somebody here right now. We come down pretty quick and then our kids remind us. I've got hair growing out of my ears and I say wrong words and I use things. You know what? A 10-year-old can help you with that. But even though we've made mistakes, even though we're not perfect, we still have a natural affection, a natural desire to give life and to sustain, to help, to bless our children. How much more, Jesus said, does your heavenly Father want to give the Holy Spirit to them that will ask Him? My friend, I want you to know that just as you and I want to bless our children or any child that would come to us asking us for food, that God wants so much more to pour out his spirit in our lives, to pour out his presence upon us. And if we will come to him asking him, God, I need you. God, I want your spirit. God, I want you to move in my life. Jesus is trying to let us know he's going to pour out his presence upon you. He wants to bless you. He wants to fulfill the desires of your heart. Praise God. Let's clap our hands and thank God for that today. So when we come to God, asking Him for life, asking Him for His Spirit, asking Him for His presence, we should expect that God wants to give it to us. That even more than we want to give good gifts to our children, God wants to give us His Spirit. Now what's He talking about here? The writers are looking back now, the writer of this particular passage, Luke, is remembering Jesus and his work, his ministry, and what he said. He is looking back as someone that was at Pentecost, the day of Pentecost. He was in Jerusalem. Jesus had told his disciples, he said, I want you to go to Jerusalem until you are endued with the power from on high. In other words, until you receive the promise. He said, I will send the promise of the Father. What was he talking about? The Spirit of God that was going to come. Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. He said, I will come to you. Jesus sent his Spirit to be with them. He said, I'm going to come to you. Not in physical form, but I'm going to come in my Spirit. And so we know that the disciples were gathered together in the upper room on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 1. It was 50 days after Jesus' death, burial, resurrection. They were there at Jerusalem. And they were waiting for the promise. They were tearing. Have you ever waited for something? You kids, your mom says, we're going to the mall today. And you say, ooh, this is great. And you're waiting. You're just waiting. Okay, mom. Mom, 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 mom. Where are we going to go? When are we going to go to the mall? When are we going to go to the mall? What are you doing? You're waiting. You're waiting. You're seeking. You're expecting that it's going to happen. You are waiting for that event to come to pass. And the Bible said, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, They were all with one accord in one place, just like we're gathered here together. We're we're seeking after God. And the Bible said, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it sat upon each of them. And the Bible said that they were all, everybody say all, all filled with the Holy Ghost. And the Bible said that there was an evidence for that. So if you were to say, well, they received the Holy Ghost, well, we could tell by their good works, or we could tell by these things that they had done, the way they lived their life, you didn't have that time. You couldn't say, well, I've watched them over the last ten years, and I know that they received the Holy Ghost. No, the first sign was that they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, I could say, yo quiero más pantalones. That's my favorite phrase in Spanish. I want more pants. Tu quiero más pantalones. Sounds very powerful, or something. That's how, that's, how I, that's how I met my wife. I was like, "Señorita." No, I didn't. I... Mucho gusto. Good to meet you. But um, wait, is that right? Igualmente is, is okay. Thank you, all of you scholars. Help me out here. Now I learned how to say that. I learned how to speak those words. But when the Spirit of God begins to flow through you, He takes control of your lips and your tongue, begins to speak through you in a language you've never learned before. That's what the writer was talking about when he said, God wants to give you the best gifts. God wants to give you the good gift. He was talking about the Holy Ghost, the outpouring of the Spirit on the day of Pentecost. He was letting everybody know that God wants to do it in your life if you'll ask Him. God wants to give you the same experience if you will ask Him. He wants to pour out His Spirit if you will ask Him. Now, why would he have to do that? And I want to just share just three things, and I'll close. But he had to write this. You'd say, well, isn't it obvious? Isn't it obvious that God wants to give people the Spirit? Isn't it obvious that God wants everybody to be saved, to experience His power and His glory? Well, apparently not, because he put it in here for a reason. Now, there were some attitudes in that day that people believed that God, that there is a God, but that He's out there. So God is somewhere in the cosmos or somewhere in the sky, somewhere in the atmosphere, but He's not really concerned about my life. And so, why should I pray? Why should I ask? Because He's not going to answer anyways because he doesn't, he doesn't hear me. He's not involved in my life. And Jesus wanted them to know that if you will reach out to God that God will respond, God will pour out His presence upon you. Now, I was talking to a young man one time, his name was Jared, and he was telling me his testimony. He began to just uh, tell me about his life growing up. He said, as a young person, he said, my dad abandoned me. He said, I never knew my father. I grew up in a home where my mother was an alcoholic. He said, and she would have these parties, and, and this is the life that he grew up in. And, and people would come over to these parties, they'd get drunk, and they would abuse this boy. And there were a lot of issues in his life. Didn't have a father. He said, I, I became an alcoholic. He said, I had so much pain in my life. At 14 years old, Brother Brian, he said, I was experimenting with alcohol. He said, at 18, I was in a rock band. He said, my life was a mess. I didn't have anything to live for. I was depressed. I was suicidal. He said, and I, I got to a point, he said, where I was an atheist. I didn't believe in God, or rather, I I did not believe that God was real. So he believed something, but he just believed that God was not real. He said, and here's my reasoning. He said, how could a loving God allow all these bad things to happen in my life? He said, I didn't believe in God. I didn't believe God was real. I believed He was not real. He said, and so I got to a point, I didn't have anything to live for. He said, I'm going to go out in the field. I'm going to blow my brains out. He said, I'm done. I'm sick of this. I'm so much pain, so much mental anguish. He said, but before I do that, I'm going to give God one last chance. He said, I'm going to go to church this weekend, and if I don't feel God, I'm going to kill myself. Folks, you don't know where people are at. We really don't know where people are at. You don't know what your word of encouragement can do in somebody's life. And that Saturday after school uh, was over, uh, one of his friends uh, at Friday Saturday that weekend, one of his friends said, "Jared, why don't you come to church with me this weekend?" And he walked in on a Sunday morning into Brother Stan Gleason's church in Kansas City, Missouri. He said, "I walked into the church. He said, I looked around. He said, I didn't know what was going on. People were screaming and yelling. And he said, some lady was running the aisles. He said, I didn't. I thought these people were crazy. He said, but you know what? I felt something in that church." He said, I felt the presence of God. In just a couple of weeks, he was filled with the Holy Ghost. God filled him with his spirit. He was baptized in the name of Jesus. You know where Jared is today? Jared's a youth pastor in Arizona. He's got a wife, a beautiful child. He's living for the Lord, serving God, helping other young people through the struggles that he was in. Why? Because if you will call out to God, if you will reach out to Him and say, God, I don't know if you're out there, but if you can hear me, I need you in my life. I want you to know God can pour out His Spirit. God can fill you with His power. Praise God. I want to tell somebody today, God is interested in your life. God cares about you. God knows what you're going through. And He is ready to move and minister in your life. Let's thank God for that today. Then there was those that believed that only a certain class of people could receive from God. And the Lord wanted people to know, I'm not interested in your pedigree or basically your resume. You come to to a job and what do they ask you? They say, give me your resume. What does that mean? Where have you worked in the past? What are your qualifications? Are you up to the job? Can you handle this job? Are your skill sets ones that can be used in this particular uh, job? Well, Jesus didn't do that. He didn't put stipulations on people. He said, whoever will come, whoever will seek me. That was his idea. That was his thinking. That anybody that will reach out to God. He doesn't say, hold on just a minute. Let, let me see. Let me read this here. Uh, I got the, no, I'm sorry. The family's not right. Oh, man, got a lot of issues. Like that guy said, my family had so many issues. We had a subscription. I mean, is, you ever felt that way before? Some of you missed that. That's all right. Praise God. Your family's wrong. Oh, look at your, wow, look at your credit. Woo! Ooh. Man, look at this. You got an attitude. You, Your family is terrible. You don't, you came from the other side of the tracks. You're, no, you're a nothing. You're a nobody. No, that's not how God looks at it. It's he looks for those who are hungry for God. Those who are seeking after him. Praise God. I thank God that, uh, there was a man named Joel Ellingson that was walking the streets, knocking on doors, asking people if they wanted a Bible study. He knocked on the door of this home. A man came to the door. He was an immigrant from another country. He, and, and Joel asked him, he said, are you interested in a Bible study? He said, no, I'm not interested. He said, but i got a brother back here in the back. He's, he's been studying the Bible. He's into church and all those type of things. He said, well, can I talk to him? Sure. So he called him out. And Joel began to teach a man named Juan a Bible study. Juan was from Bolivia, South America. And Joel began to teach him about baptism in Jesus' name, about the infilling of the Holy Ghost. This man was a fighter. Juan, he was a fighter. He owned a nightclub. He was a tough guy. He had beat people up. He had done all kinds of wrong things. But you know what? He didn't know the English language. He wasn't familiar with the country. He had a lot of issues in his life. But God said, I can find you. I know where you are. And when I find you, I'm not going to look at the color of your skin. I'm not going to look at the country of your origin. I'm I'm not going to look at your money in your bank account or how popular you are. You know what? That man began to seek after God and God filled him with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He was baptized in the name of Jesus. Folks... He met a, a fair-skinned, freckle-faced redhead in Minnesota, and that, that's my parents. I thank God for my, God reaching my dad, who came from another country, who was not somebody that had a pedigree. He didn't have money in the bank. He didn't know anybody, but God said, I can reach you. I can reach you if you're hungry for me. I'm not going to put stipulations on you. I love you if you want to reach out to God. God will reach out for you. Oh, let's clap our hands and thank God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. let's thank him today. Let's thank him. Oh, he's a good God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Hallelujah. Praise God. If you call out in faith, God will respond. And then my last point and I'm closing with this there were those that believed that only a certain perfect people could have the spirit. In those days, they believed that the priests could only have access to God. The priests, because they're holy, they've grown up in the right family, and they've been pure, and they're separate, and they're perfect. And I I can't go in because maybe I have a blemish. Maybe I've got a limp, or maybe uh, I've got a... The Bible said if you had a crooked nose or a broken nose, you couldn't enter into the temple. The Bible said that uh, only the high priest could go into the holy of holies. Only one man, if you were a lady, you couldn't go in. And you had to stay out in the outer courts. And if you were a Gentile, if you were not of the chosen people of God, you could not even come into the inner courts of the temple. There were many stipulations in that day. But when Jesus hung on the cross and that veil was torn, the Bible said it was rent from uh, bottom to t- top to bottom. It was rent. What was he saying? That now anybody can have access to the presence of God through Jesus Christ. You know why we can have access? Because he was perfect. He was spotless. He went in for us. He went into the holy of holies for us. I don't go in because I'm righteous. I go in because he is righteous. I go in because he is a good God. I go in because he has paid the price for me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so there were those that believed only a certain people that were perfect could go in. But I want you to know Jesus was trying to let those people know. Anybody can have access to God through Jesus Christ. Anybody, it doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter the mistakes you've made. Doesn't matter the failures that you've had in your life. If you will reach out to God and say, "God, I know I'm not perfect, but I need you. I want you to know." God will respond. Praise God. I was preaching in in Michigan, and there was a lady that was in that service, and I began to make an altar appeal that anybody that wanted to receive from God could come. And here was this lady, and I looked in the back, and and she was deformed. Her body was deformed. She was very short. Her growth had been stunted. And I watched her get up out of her pew and begin to make her way down to that altar, just back and forth, rocking as her body was just crippled, and I watched her lift up her hands and begin to worship the Lord and speak with other tongues as God filled her with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and folks, that illustrated to me that it doesn't matter how your body is, and maybe it's not perfect, maybe there's something wrong with you, but if you can get a little bit of faith, if you can have a little bit of hunger that says, I know I'm not perfect. I've got things wrong with me, but I'm hungry for God. God can fill you with His Spirit. I was preaching in New Jersey, and I close with this. Musicians come. Magicians, somebody. doesn't matter. Praise God. But I was preaching in New Jersey, and there was a man there. He began to tell me his testimony. His name was, uh, I don't remember his name exactly right now, David. And he began to tell me. He said, you know what? He said, I... I was a teenager, and I began to feel the presence of God in my life. He said, my brother and sister received the Holy Ghost. He said, but I I had felt the presence of God in my church. But we were a church that was very reserved, very calm, and we didn't uh, speak out and worship God. He said, so I felt the presence of God in my church so strong, and I knew if I would just reach out to God or surrender, I would begin to receive the Spirit and speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives me the honors. But he said, I was afraid. I stifled it. He said, and again, God came to me in my church. Folks, God doesn't just move here. God can move in any church. And God moves on people who are hungry and seeking after him. And in that church where it's very reserved, very quiet, he said, I was afraid. I didn't want to get kicked out of the church. I didn't want to be looked down upon. He said, so I stifled the presence of God. He's laying in a hospital bed. He calls for an apostolic preacher. He's got cancer. He looks at that preacher, he says, Preacher, he said, I messed up when I was a kid. I stifled the presence of God. I refused God to move in my life. He said, and it's been 40 years since I have felt the presence of God. He said, do you think God can forgive me? Do you think God can still fill me with the Holy Ghost after the mistakes that I have made in refusing the presence of God? That man says, sir... God wants to fill you with the Holy Ghost. He walked into that service on a Sunday night, lifted up his hands, and after 40 years of being away from God, after 40 years of making a mistake and living in agony in his life, God filled him with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He said, I begin to dance and speak with other tongues and worship God as a Spirit filled me. Why? Why is that? Because Jesus gave us this passage. If you will ask... If you will ask the Father, He will pour out His blessings upon you. If you will ask Him for the good gift of the Holy Ghost, He will not turn you away, but He will pour out His presence. Praise God. Hallelujah. Oh, let's give God praise for that right now. Let's thank Him for that today. Hallelujah. Let's clap our hands and give God thanks. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. If you would like to know more information about our church, please check us out on Facebook at Lifeway Apostolic Church. May God richly bless you.